At this moment, I invite you to place your feet on the ground and turning inside yourself, inside your body. Checking in with the fluidity of all the energy going through your body as you slowly settle in. Taking a breath in and a gentle breath out, shifting your focus now to the thoughts as they percolate, bubble, removing all judgment, all preconceived obligations or expectations. Breathing in and breathing out. Turning now to the emotional heart, the seat of all emotions and just witness consciously the emotions that arise. And with no rush, no sense of urgency, bringing your focused attention with your eyes open to the present. Hi, it's Ryan. Welcome to your weekly dose of the Psychedelic Psychologist, where I invite my guests to share stories about their psychedelic experiences. We cover a variety of topics from overcoming addiction and severe depression to finding wholeness and spiritual emergence. Today's podcast, you're going to hear from one of my guests, Kevin, who explores their family of origin, culture, race, personal and biographical trauma, all the while finding complete love and the ever-flowing compassion for oneself and the world at large. Good to see you, Kevin. Good to see you, Ryan. Dr. Westrom. <laughs> All the formalities. <laughs> Tell me, we've been working together for some time. What is the relationship that you have with psychedelics at this moment? Where do you see yourself and what are you processing? Wow. Um, psychedelics have been a an ever-widening and fascinating gateway to insights that I never imagined that I could have. So if I go back in time to my first journey ceremony, when I was quite skeptical, very, very anxious about the prospect of, you know, losing my mind or having a bad trip. The reality was it wasn't, we weren't really tripping. We were, we were in the journey space, which isn't, isn't really tripping. And looking ahead on that time scale, each successive time in that space was ever enlightening each each occurrence opened up another doorway which opened up another doorway 
and the like the absolute result has just been a a procession of deeper understanding of myself and the world around me the world above me the world below me just things that i could i don't i don't think i could have ever determined or discovered on my own and that's not to say that that's not possible because there are other disciplines and work that can get you there but the psychedelic space has been a sacred gift that i received have been able to to let it take me places i never thought i'd go you talked a little bit about the fear at first of losing your mind and what settled in today and what's become reassuring in this beautiful, I love what you call it, the journey space. How do you incorporate the journey space into your everyday living, knowing that I heard you say the ups, the downs, the present moments? You know, it's interesting. The, the journey space is, you know, time stands still. You're, you're, out of your head, you've dispensed with stress, anxiety, shame, guilt, fear, and bringing that, you know, let's say coming back to the lucid world, it actually becomes easier over time to integrate, to carry that and have that, that, that place in your mind persist it's not as if journeying helps you do that or that you need to be in the journey space to be in that frame of mind. But it, it, what it does is it allows you to inhabit that place and then to see where that place is available in your, in your everyday existence and how to sort of maintain that, that serenity, that joy, uh, that fearlessness. You speak about that so poetically, and yet I can imagine the everyday world that we live in is full of and ripe for challenges. So as you carry the journey space, that sense of peace, that sense of understanding, what are you personally coming up against and how are you reconciling that based off of your experiences with journeying? Okay, well, I guess it's time to go deep or a little deeper. The daily challenges have not gone away that's that's the the interesting part is that the idea that stress challenges things that would ordinarily tip me into fight or flee mode you know that those don't occur they still occur what what doesn't occur is the narrative and the places I went under the very same conditions that exist today, I would argue that they are no different, if not worse, when you think about what's happening in Ukraine and the assault on education. And, you know, it's just like a, a laundry list of, of turmoil but the reality is, is that turmoil doesn't have to come in. I don't have to let it in and I don't have to let it dictate my energy or invade my space. And 
while all of that stuff is still occurring, I can look at it from a, a safe distance and examine how I feel about it, safely examine, safely and gently examine how I feel about it, how, what I can do about it, what, what is, what does it mean in the bigger picture of, you know, us as specks of dust in the universe? It's just a different perspective. I think that's the, the, the major takeaway. I love that you ended that by calling us specks of dust in the universe. <laughs> what are we? <laughs> no, I'm in we're, 100% agreement. We're, we're not even specks. We're like, you know, nano specks. <laughs> <laughs> and yet this work is so moving. And so it reconciles so much of our biographical story in our specful, very <laughs> redundant, mundane life it definitely blows open like the shutters of, okay, I'm looking at healing my childhood. I'm considering reconciling family of origin and all of the cultural ramifications we face. Yeah. It's a pretty wild binary that we are nothing. And yet we're being capable and offered processing of everything. What do you do with that personally right now? I see it as a, as an opportunity as a, an opportunity I'm grateful for having been in the right place at the right time to receive. This is all a massive intersection of, of occurrences that aligned in some mystical way. I, I don't know if there's any, anything mystical about it, but it for me, I feel like I've been given a gift. What am I going to do with this gift? How that, what does that mean in the, the, you know, my immediate orbit? It's being able to see with clear eyes who we are, why we are, what we are, where we came from, without without the, the drag of stigma or the weight of shame or the weight of, of trauma, I feel, I don't, I don't want to say uniquely, but I feel just seriously blessed to, to be able to see this right now in my lifetime. It's just an unimaginable gift and so in in you know in the like i said in my immediate orbit i'm able to show up for family in ways that i never really could before not only never could but never even was aware of what the barriers were but those barriers have fallen and i i feel empowered to to just be a better brother, a better son, a better father, a better friend, a better lover, a better colleague, a better human, all that. I'm not going to say psychedelics made all that possible. I would say that I, I was in the right place at the right time. And the, these possibilities, you know, have resonated within me. 
And I have to interject too, because of the work you do and the deep courage. And I want to take a moment, Kevin, to reiterate what I've been witnessing in you is you come right up against. So it isn't just the psychedelic medicines and the journeying space that's provided you. And I admire the timing, but it also goes without saying that you are pulling up your sleeves and facing some pretty archetypal challenges, both within your personal life and within your, the history and the life we live. And you're not turning away from it whatsoever, are you? No, I, I can't. Say more about I, that. Yeah, it's maybe that's part of who I am. Maybe that's part of uh, why I was put here. Sometimes I feel like I have to break some cycles. There are some, some historical and cultural cycles that were imprinted on us that I feel unique, not uniquely, but it, you know, it's an opportunity to break those cycles, to identify them and say, now this stops here. That has not been easy because a lot of my, a lot of what I was carrying around was invisible to me. A lot of my anger, the armor that I will, will wielded fairly constantly, I didn't need, I wasn't even aware of it. And being able to shed that has allowed me to grow and to be courageous about looking inward and looking outward at, at the, my family's history, our cultural history, our national history, you know, let's zoom out from there, global history. And it, you know, it sounds courageous, but I, I actually would call it more exciting than courageous because once you, I'd say once I got past that first doorway into the space of being able to, to observe without fear, to be present without ego, to, to well, to move towards that, it became easier and more rewarding. The, you and I talked about this, the, the fuel of love is endless. Once, once, that, once I was able to peel away all of the scabs over that well and, and get into that, well of love then it becomes more or less self-propelling the the inquiry the discovery the search for the truth is also has also been closely aligned with that producing more self-love so you know courage probably applies but it's a courage that that has has had its own rewards you say that and the intersection of that excitement and courage and the rewards you get from it also comes with a lot of preparation and i heard you say intention 
what are your intentions when you use the ceremony for healing? That's <sighs> it's interesting. Like we, I've been lucky to be involved with a group that that maintains a high degree of respect, adherence to respect and trust, and understanding the scope of of that space and how sacred it is. So that that environment has been very conducive to feeling comfortable to to explore feeling comfortable to 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 dig a little to look around to look inward outward regarding intentions it's interesting my my intentions have have some to some degree migrated or I don't want to say change, but they've they've become more of a a broader, not not so granular. Like I want to do this, I want to go here, I want to I want to dig into that. It's more of a now I I go in with in many cases just I want to feel love, I want to give love and feel love, or I want to know myself better. You, you oftentimes don't get what you set out to. You you can have the intention time before a, a journey, and none of that happens. <laughs> you know, you go right. you go a completely different direction, and that's fine. And now that I understand the space as not something you can dictate or steer, or or drive, I've become more open to universally accepting what whatever comes i like what you said too about working internally and externally such as i'm going to work on myself and the collective and then being open to it in, in a way you're surrendering to what's going to come your way is that because of the work you've done around you've kind of loosely talked about the trauma the family histories the cultural ramifications do you believe that that's simultaneously operating for you under the surface that you're doing both healing potential trauma or reconciling your story and then also kind of just acknowledging what's going on right now with love and that endless well yeah that's that's a good question ryan i there's definitely been an arc to my capacity for exploration there were some places i had to go first i would not be yeah thank you could you say more about that yeah, there's an order to what needed to be done. And that in that respect, uh, talking about intentions, when I say order, I'm referring to the barriers, the immediate barriers. And those immediate barriers for me were, were shame. I don't want to say self-loathing, but a lot of self-esteem issues insecurity, anxiety, looking at, you know, what happened uh, with my father, cultural and racial traumas, things that I thought or what I felt initially were what defined me were essentially the walls that I had allowed to be built up around me. And so in those initial ceremonies, I had no choice but to interact with 
all of that stuff. And it didn't happen all at the same time. And there were, there were lessons that came that were, let's call them parent lessons that had child impacts. And so like a larger message about that while my father did kill himself and leave me and leave us, you know, when I was very young, he did it because he loved us. He did it because he, he ultimately wanted us to be better. And that was something, you know, let's call that a first order barrier. Um, there was a lot of that that had to be processed, identified, understood. And, you, you know, you and I have been talking about a lot of that over the last uh, year or so. There was also work that I did in, in another space around those traumas. So the being able to, to reach higher, to go further, to tap into that well of love did require serious attention to what I would call very, very basic and real barriers that, that I had to understand and, and break down. And you're doing that actively right now. And that's both within your everyday life and then walking as you integrate the psychedelic work. Yeah, that, that, you know, almost back to your first question into, you know, integration being a, the ultimate challenge of psychedelics. What do you do when you come back to earth? How do you put what you've understood into practice? And with each successive journey, coupled with attentive and consistent self-reflection, other modes of, of, of work, including yoga and meditation, a lot of physical activity. It's a spectrum of, of maintaining, a, a, achieving and maintaining, you know, mental health. The, the journey space isn't the only avenue but it was a very very significant and and worthy direction to go to to have so much revealed when you say so much revealed and being so transparent in your healing with trauma do you get a sense that you're exonerating not just yourself and your own story but generations beyond and generations that have come before you yeah because you feel i feel a lot of that it's one of the things that i guess a lot of us don't realize is the the molecular <laughs> trauma within your dna is a real thing you, that's what you've been working on recently we've been talking about can you say where you're at in that process that molecular it is it's like familial generational trauma no yeah, that's something that a gateway that I was able to identify and to sort of see more clearly what is it about me 
that makes me me? And what is it of, you know, my components and traits and behaviors? Uh, what of that is, is comprised of, you know, environmental stresses? What's cultural influence? What's familial? And what, you know, the bottom level is, you know, what is in the bones, in the flesh, and in connecting to my family's history, coupled with the journey space, I was able to, to, you know, it's not that you can't get that granular and say, oh, yeah, this comes from that specifically. It's not that, uh, it's not that well-defined. But what is clear is that I can identify where some of my tendencies came from. And that predated my parents and their parents and their parents' parents. And it, it resonates. It, it cannot not be true. So back to exonerating, that clarity has helped me see my family's journey, their path, their experiences, their trauma, that the, the generation prior, the generation prior, and to have compassion and empathy for, for all of those folks, for all of what they went through and what they gave me. It, you know, it's, one thing to look back and go, wow, yo, I, they, they should have made better choices or they could have done things differently. But I don't, I don't see it that way. I see clearly that they did the best they could with the tools that they had and they, they gave me gifts. And so maybe the combination of exonerating is also appreciating more what I know about them based on what I know about myself. Is there an emotion when you say that, that sits in your body? Pride. Pride, yeah. Pride. Thank yeah. you. Is that an emotion? Is pride an emotion? <laughs> uh, we'll say it okay. is right now. I believe it is. Pride. Yeah. The sense of gratitude, the sense of accomplishments are all a lot to deal especially with reconciling traumas yeah carrying the weight of i've often said that it's parents are two grandparents are four and then you just kind of multiply it and it compounds and before you know it like you said you're feeling into the psychedelic space of someone you never even met or potentially never saw a picture of yeah yeah exactly and you've had those experiences yeah Going to one of my first um, experiences was to visit with the matriarchs of my family and to commune with them and essentially get this, this confirmation, you know, where they said, not literally, but confirmation that 
we're giving, we gave you something. We trusted you with this because we believed in you. And understanding that so clearly and, and, and actually recognizing that gift in myself. Um, you know, it, are, was I really there? Did I go back in time? Did I, did, you know, ultimately, I feel very strongly about tapping into molecular memory, cellular memory. It's all embedded in us. It's not like it, it didn't happen. It's just arranged in ways that are, that are not as easily accessible. And being around, I'm curious, being around the matriarchs of your family and identifying as a male in this culture, in this community at this moment, what was the lessons and the invitation they provided you? Well, the biggest one is to open my eyes to our, our differences, our struggles, masculine, and how we have hurt the feminine, how we have oppressed the feminine. I don't believe that I would be aware of or sensitive to or feel it so clearly if they hadn't taught me and, and given me those lessons. And you've also said that you come right at it on a daily basis with how you want to show up in the world without that conflict internally being exposed externally. How do you wrestle or un unweave those when showing the compassion? How do you grapple with that and kind of unpack that? Oh, Ryan, there's nothing to grapple with. That's the interesting part is reaching and opening that well of love has mm. allowed me to stop grappling. There's That's nothing fantastic. There. There's I love it. Yeah, you it, dropped the rope. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's just to love and be aware and to see and to to not be afraid to look inward and learn learn from my past mistakes learn from learn from previous versions of myself that were working with limited information <laughs> limited tools and limited resources yeah i really appreciate that so with all this love this well of love this ability that you're cultivating it right now where does that leave you knowing that psychedelics can offer us so much but at the same time things are going really well i've talked to a lot of people about things are going good i don't know if i need to do a journey or things are going good i think i need to do a journey it becomes very paradoxical what is your relationship to your psychedelic horizon well now and with your help and your book that 
this is not something, this is not a toy. This is not something to play with or treat as entertainment or a distraction. It is a seriously sacred and important place that with each successive ceremony, I understand even more how sacred it is. And so if I'm thinking about uh, you know, the opportunity to go in again, I'm also thinking about, is it really necessary? What is my motivation? Am I really ready? Am I going in with, with dark energy? Really doing an inventory, a very realistic inventory of, of you know, what's, what's behind that, that opportunity or that desire. I don't feel the pull of the space. It's not like a gravitational tug that's always there, but I do recognize the, the serenity of that space and the, the lucid meditation of that space. So that, that's hard to, you know, just dismiss, but there's more to it than that. I look forward to my next journey. I just don't know when it's going to happen. It's fantastic. Yeah. It comes to you when it needs to, and you're open and listening. Pretty much. Yeah. You know, I've met some incredible people in that space, made connections that I'll have for the rest of my life and into my next life, I'm sure. And that part is seriously rewarding. It, it, it defies description to try to articulate the strength of these connections that you develop in that space. That doesn't mean that's where it has to happen. Um, that's important, isn't it? That imperative that it doesn't always have to be in that setting under the influence of that medicine or in that sacred space that you can actually walk with it in our everyday life. And also maintain those connections outside, build, build on that connection in wisdom in, you know, in the, in the outside world. That's been really rewarding as well. That's wisdom. Thank you so much, <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> You're welcome, Dr. Westrom. <laughs> it's really a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Lived in a time. They lived in a time when every member of the tribe held knowledge of the body, the magic of healing, and the wholeness of sex, and the miracle of birth, and the necessity of death. They lived in a time creating, driving onward, this need to expand, live, and understand. They lived in a time when reverence and sense of the sacred spoke to them in a hollowed whisper. Throughout the mundane tasks of daily life, they couldn't find meaning in the universe otherwise. They lived in a time blazing forth the trails through passion and love, creating a new destiny for us to awaken to, to heal our culture, to heal our historical trauma. And today, many of us ache for these old ways, 
yearn for the wisdom that seems so inaccessible to us in our everyday nature, hyperspeed of modern life, awake to the memory of our elders, and most of all, be gentle.